0: I saw a really goofy video recently of a pastor who I really love, so I won't say his name. You might have even seen the video. He put a rock in the middle of a stage, like right in the middle, like a giant rock. And uh, he was like, many of you think you found God this way. And he runs up to the rock and starts talking to the rock, which, again, I'm looking at it like we're goofy as people. Um, and he goes, but most of us found God this way. And he's like walking, look around. And he tripped on the rock and landed on it. And I was like, you know what, though? That'll preach. <laughs> because I wasn't looking for Jesus. He just found me, right? I mentioned during my little testimony, see, I was I had a needle in my arm, right? There was a youth pastor in the city, twice my size, his, this, this that's important to know, uh, probably three times my size. Uh, I was really good friends with his son. He grew grabbed me knowing I was on drugs and told my mom, almost their wife, told my mom, "Um, you can have him back in two weeks. God found me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I was trying to get the heck out of there. (laughs) Sometimes God shows up in the form of a giant Latin man who you have no power to fight back against. (laughs) Sometimes he finds you different ways. (laughs) But that's how he found me. I still have a scar on my knuckle because I punched and broke his mirror and then the glass shattered into my hand. So it's a little baby scar, but it's a reminder of where I came from. And I love that it didn't heal right. I love when I look at that. I'm like, man, God, you are so good. See, last week, Pastor Thomas preached Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And if you'll notice about Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, it starts with you were dead in your trespasses. That won't preach. Again, that's not an exciting message. But then it ends with, but you are Christ's workmanship or God's workmanship. You're someone's workmanship. You're God's. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so you go from death to workmanship. And if you didn't understand what Paul was doing, this next verse that we read, why does he suddenly go back again to you're uncircumcised? Because you were dead and now you're alive. Why does he go, and then verse 11, and you're dead? What just happened? I know, Paul, you already told me I was dead in verse 1. You brought me all the way to life by verse 10. How come in verse 11 we're dead again? Because Ephesians is the great book of identity. And so what Paul deals with in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, shout out to Pastor Thomas' last week message, which was absolutely fire and made me want to quit preaching because he's such a good preacher and such a good, God just anoints you in Jesus' name. You're just anointed to preach. But what that's dealing with is the individual. And so Ephesians 1 to 10, that's actually about you. Mm-hmm. That Pastor John, you were dead in your trespasses. Mm-hmm. And Pastor John, you are a workmanship. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Ernest, you were dead. Now you're workmanship. The only person I ever met that wasn't born dead was Isla. She was perfect. Everyone else, everyone else is born dead. And then brought life, brought to life is Christ's perfect workmanship. Hallelujah. But Paul shifts, and what is he talking about? See, he shifted from talking about the person, and now he's talking about the people, right? And he was saying, you, the individual, and now he's saying, you guys, the Gentiles. So just like you, the individual, were dead, you, the Gentiles, I know, Glenn, give me the face, but I'm Jewish. Uh, Fine, this part isn't for you. Um, (laughs) You still have the heart of stone, though. Don't even start with me. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Made me happy. That needs to stay in the podcast, Isaac. Keep it. Um, but you as a people, and so verses actually 11 to 22 are going to be dealing with our corporate position. Uh, see, here's the thing. Predestination. Everyone has a thousand opinions on that. But again, God chose you from the foundations of the earth. That is Ephesians chapter one. So the context of Paul talking about choosing here, he's still dealing with the foundations of the earth before you were born john t god knew you right before you were born he chose you for the calling that he has for you right and for all of us right before you were born god chose you and again i'm not saying that cuz god's all knowing he knows what you'll freely choose let's just let's just not get philosophical right but that word predestination how many you know there's two layers to it see do you know that you were personally predestined to god but also the church was predestined Right. And so some people, they look at the Old Testament, they'll make arguments and they'll say things like, well, God didn't choose people. He chose Israel. Well, but he also chose David. See, God chose David and God chose Israel. And he called the David to Israel. So do you know that in the Bible? Now, this is why we're only doing three verses today instead of the whole uh, verse 11 to 22 is this whole section. But I'm going to break this apart because there's a lot of big topics here. Right. Right. That just like David was called to be king, but he was also called to Israel. There are promises over Israel that are for Israel. And there are promises on the individual that's for the individual. So when God promised David he would be king and David inherited blessings. He didn't inherit those blessings because he was chosen by God. He inherited those blessings because God set those blessings aside for Israel. right. Right? And so how many of you know? I know it's complicated. It sounds really convoluted. But you guys were chosen by God. He loves you but the church was also as promises placed on it. And you get those promises as a part of the church, right? When God says, I'm coming back for my bride, he's not saying I'm coming back for the individual. He's saying I'm coming back for the church collective. And you get to be a part of that promise because God chose you for the church. Now, practically in your life, that makes no difference, right? Because when God calls me, he calls me to the church. So I just get all the blessings. But how many of you know that theologically, there actually is a distinction, That you were set aside by God, but you were set aside to a people. Does that make sense? Because it's kind of like the foundation of the next 10 or 11 verses is that Paul is dealing with not this personal calling, but now this corporate calling. Because, again, this is a great way to think about it. I'm called to be a pastor, right? That's my calling personally. That's not everyone in this room's calling, right? But it's my calling. It's some of you in this room's calling, but not everyone in this room's calling. But when God says, I'm coming back, that's not an individual promise. That's a promise to his church, which I'm individually a part of. Think about it like a puzzle piece. If I'm a piece of a puzzle. And I belong in this picture. And so this little piece was set aside to be a part of this picture. But this picture as a whole is what I'm building. Right. And so you have a little piece of the picture on you. You get a little piece of the kingdom. Right? You have a little piece of your part to play. Carpe diem, seize the day. Right, you have a, We have a moment in history that we are called to, but the church as, whole, as a whole also has a calling. Have you, ever, have you ever put together a puzzle? Me and my son did this recently. We put together a puzzle and realized a piece was missing. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together with a two-year-old? Have you ever done that? I've done that. Guess how long that takes. 45 minutes longer than it should take. That, that's the answer to the riddle. Now, as an as a kid, Titus thought it was awesome. As an adult male, when that puzzle was finished with one piece missing, I was fuming. <laughs> I was so upset. Because I'm like, no way you torture me for an hour and a half, bro, to not have this finished puzzle. Right? Like, again, think about like your piece is missing if you're not a part of this. The picture isn't full if you're not a part of it. So that's why God leaves the 99 for the one. Because he's got a hundred sheep and he's going to have a hundred sheep. Jesus Christ prays to the Father and says, I did not lose one that you gave me. Right? Because I got a picture I'm building, a temple I'm building. Not built by human hands. That's a promise to the church. And when he says Jerusalem comes out, I'm coming back for my people. He's not coming back for you, the individual. He's coming back for us. The people. So Paul is shifting. And they said you weren't welcome, Glenn. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad he's a good sport. Glenn said we weren't welcome, guys. But God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but God said. Um, <laughs> uh, the commentary I was reading it was written by uh, Wolford and Zuck. Uh, honestly, if you don't have this commentary, once I'm done with the series, buy it so you don't know that I'm stealing all my information from them and that you think I'm profound still. Um, but I want to read you a quote from that commentary. And it says this, individuals who have received God's gracious salvation are not left alone, but are brought into union with other believers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if we go back to verse 11, so we can start our trek through these three verses. It says, therefore, remember... That at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. <laughs> Sorry, it makes me laugh every time. Uh, but what is called by what is called the circumcision, I'll refrain from my joke, uh, which is made in the flesh by hands. Pause there for one second. Um, this is Paul beginning to deal with. You can even write this up top of your notebook. He is dealing with the union of Christ's people. what I love is if you see, remember that therefore? What is it therefore? He's calling back to what Pastor Thomas preached last week. So yes, if you're listening to this later, if you ha- weren't here last week, this message is not complete without Pastor Thomas's last week message because this is a therefore message. This is a because of what we talked about last week, therefore, and because God found you while you were dead and built you into a workmanship, therefore, that workmanship Builds a kingdom, right? From dead to workmanship, in the same way, from far away and a stranger to brought in. And what is more intimate than shedding the blood of your child? To bring a people together. Christ's blood, while yes, it did shed for you individually, theologically, Christ's blood shed for the church, right? Now, I'm not saying that his blood wasn't spilt for people who wouldn't be saved. I'm not not that reformed. But theologically, when that blood was spilled, the people who received the promise are the church. And all the promises affiliated with that promise are the church. And I don't get that promise because I'm a child of God. I get that promise because I am the ecclesia. But I am but a piece of the puzzle that is not complete without you guys. And you have to know that when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing it to an individual church. We love to take these kind of verses and be like, it's talking about the church as a whole. It is, but it's also not. It's also talking about your community where God planted you to grow. Verse 12, jump right on over. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Let's pause. You know the next verse starts with, but now, right? And you know the next verse is going to talk about that we are brought brought by the blood, brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know that's coming. So keep that in mind, because we're about to get super negative for a moment, right? What you see right here, what what, some theologians call the five lacks. Five things that until you were brought into the kingdom of God, you do not have. This is why salvation was so important. And this is why while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because we didn't have it. And I've always talked about this. There's a band called Phineas and they have a song called Bridge by Blood. Love that song. Because the mental picture, right? Of like, I crossed this bridge into God's kingdom because of the blood of his son. He built a bridge with his blood between me and him because I couldn't cross this chasm. So God made a way. So the five separations, right? Five lack of privileges. First is that you were separated from Christ. Why? Because God promised Christ to his people, which you are Gentiles, mostly. Glenn's like, why am I even here today? I already got this. (laughs) You You didn't even have the promise of a Christ. Because it's funny, because this word for Christ, it's both personal and national that's why God says I'm making a nation out of you, right? Because, again, we are actually his people. When God looks at this world, he doesn't see France and Russia. He literally sees the kingdom and not the kingdom. Those are the, two, those are the two great kingdoms of this world. And his promises through the Jewish people were to his kingdom, which the blood of Jesus brings us into. But until the blood of Jesus brought us in, it was a promise strictly to the Jews. So personally, as a human, there was no promise for you. And on a grand level, nationally, there was no promise for America or Russia or wherever your people came from, right? Now you can look back in the Bible and see that God alluded to the nations coming to the feet. You could see that promise. You could see that it was talked about, but it was never, hey, I promise you I'm doing this. I'm making a covenant with you that I'll do this. It was just, yeah, I plan on doing it. It was never this thing you could take to the bank. Uh, Secondly, you were alienated from Israel. Hear me. Do you know what this means? That means you were not welcome in God's presence. All the promises given to Israel were not given to you. You were alienated from them. Like like an alien, right? Like not of this planet. Like War of the Worlds. They come to the planet and they die because they got the cold. You ever seen that movie? That's us. We can't go in. We'll die. You know, but but now, right? Third thing you were cut off from. You were strangers to the covenants. What this means is you had no participation with God. Like the first one, the Israel thing, is you couldn't look on God's things. Now now it's a step in of like, and you had no participation. You couldn't go beyond the veil. You couldn't enter the temple and the tabernacle. You are welcome to those things. There were a few Jewish people throughout history, or a few non-Jewish people in the Old Testament that God made ways for. If you see in Leviticus, there's a path, but then read the Bible, how often do you see that path taken? Almost never, because you won't choose God on your own. God has to find you first, right? Four, you are without hope. What does that mean? Here's all it means. It means you had no expectation for salvation. It wasn't built into your people. I mean, because of, like, colonization and because of how how widespread Christianity was and how dominant of a religion that it is, and I don't mean militarily always, typically it's just dominant because the hope found within it is so strong that people burn the books to their idols because they want to embrace Jesus, right? And it's like, but because Christianity is kind of known across most of the world now, it's hard to think of a time where it's like, well, no, There's literally no hope. People hadn't even heard of Jewish people. There were people who had no idea what the laws and the promises were. Sure enough, for sure people didn't know there was a promise of a coming Messiah. They had no hope. They just had a broken world and didn't know how to deal with it. Again, that was us. And lastly, the hardest one, and they are without God in the world. I know it's heavy. I know that's a lot, but we're going to go to the really positive stuff. But again... What Paul is literally saying is, you Gentiles, you had none of these things. That actually means your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus is actually without God. I know that's not a popular theology, right? Because God's with everyone. No, no. Not to the degree that it takes to be saved. Right? Yes, he's omnipotent. He's everywhere. But the withness, the indwelling... His presence wrapping around you, giving you peace and joy and love that is exclusive to the Jewish people until Jesus Christ built away. But now, that's it. That's that's old school. Everything I just talked about, that's old news. This, all it should do for, to you now, what do I do with the information you just gave me, Pastor Wes? You recognize that it's not you, and then you go get as many people as you can out there, and you bring them into the promise, right? You don't just sit there and go, man, that sucks for them. Well, no, Jesus made you an ambassador. This, this but now, right? Go take it out to the people. Be salt in light. When Jesus Christ left, he said, I'm coming back for my people go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth to all the nations Jesus Christ goes to a a cemetery and there is a man who runs to Jesus' feet who is demon possessed and he falls to his feet Jesus says who are you? he says "I, I am legion for we are many absolutely metal and so Jesus casts legion into these pigs, and the pigs go into the water, and the man, the Bible says that when the people showed up, they found the man sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed. Just like that, there was a change to his life. And then he looks to Jesus, and he says, can I follow you? And Jesus says, no. And I'm offended, <laughs> right? But you don't understand. If you, when you got saved, if you said to God, okay, I'm saved now, can I follow you? No, no, I I have a mission for you here. I'm in heaven preparing a way. But no, you you can't follow me. This man has a picture. Because if you look to that area, the Bible says the next time Jesus came back, Mm. 10 cities came running to the feet of Jesus. Why? Because an evangelist was left. Because when God found this man broken and destroyed, he left him in the broken place. He healed him, but the place was broken. He said, I'm coming back. And when I come back, this place will be changed because of you. Likewise, God saved us. He changes us from the inside out. He makes a way. He breaks through our godlessness and our hopelessness, our lack of a path. And he makes a path, and he brings us hope, and he gives us life. And we say, God, I'm going to follow you everywhere. He goes, actually, I'm coming back for you. So until I come back, go spread this message. Because when I come back, more people are going to run to my feet then i saved when i was there how many how many what, what is the handful that jesus saved and then they spread so that when jesus come back the nations will run to his feet how did that happen he never left 30 miles of his home because he left the people he left the kingdom you know what I'm saying he left the butt. God, you know what I'm saying? Hallelujah! And last verse, as we wrap this up, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? Like if I just read you that verse on a Sunday and Mike dropped and walked out of the room, that's more sermon than any of us ever deserve, right? That is so amazing. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Wilfred and Zuck wrote this. I'm quoting them twice this week. It says, sin separates people from God, and only Christ's atonement can remove the sin barrier. And so Christ removed it. He did all the work for you because he loves you. And if it was his work that saves you, then it's not your works that can walk you out of salvation. I've loved the old adage. I know it can upset people sometimes, but it's like, if, if you could lose your salvation, you would. Because the point, the reason why people say that is because it's actually not dependent on you. You can't sin so bad that God's like, "Okay, you're too much of a mess. I'm washing my hands." Because He shed His blood, and that atonement is once and for all. He made a way. And so maybe as the band comes up, and I think the question that we ask ourselves with this, but now of like, "Yeah, yes, please." Um, the question that's it's kind of easy to ask myself is like. What do I do with this? Well, truthfully, Paul explains that in verse 22, and we didn't get there today. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh, But we're setting the foundations for this overall section, what what it means when God called the church and a kingdom. Um, But with how we ended, I already talked about it, but by the blood, you were set free. Do not lose sight of that. When the world comes against you, when your job gets rough, when you feel forsaken, when you feel like you're praying and like, I'm just hitting a wall. When you're trying to worship, you feel like, what is happening? Why can't I get through this? Know that y- your entrance into God's kingdom isn't based on you. Lose that, what I honestly think is a heresy. Lose the heresy that says you have to work your way into God's love, into God's kingdom, that you have to work your way into his presence. The door is open. His blood was spilled for you and you were welcomed in without a second thought. You were welcomed right in. And as you walk in and you take this glorious healing that, listen to me, God has for you. I think some of us don't feel healed. If I'm healed, why am I still depressed? Well, If I'm healed, why don't I care about what's going on in the world? Well, if I'm healed, why why am I still angry and prideful? Why do I still deal with pornography and drinking? Why, why, Why am I still wrestling with these things? Why do I still look like the world? The truth is, my wife has always said it. It's super cheesy, but it's like God's a gardener. He plants seeds and he watches them grow. The change isn't always overnight, the salvation is. Uh, The best analogy I've ever heard is if you look in the Bible, God took the Israelites out of Egypt, and then he spent the next 40 years taking Egypt out of the Israelites. And then he gave them the promised land. So you're in the wilderness. But for just way charismatic out of context, Isaiah says he'll turn a wilderness into a garden anyway. (laughs) Going through process and being perfect, God doesn't use the perfect. The Bible says that you are his workmanship, but he's building you. He doesn't use the perfect. He perfects the people he's using, Right? What you do with this information is you give it to your coworkers, faithfully. Well, they don't like Christians, so then they won't like you. Give it to your coworkers. Live life like a Christian. Carry yourself well. Work hard. Be loving. But don't deny the truth that's in you. Go tell your family. Well, they told me not to talk about Jesus anymore. Well, if I died and he's living through me, I have nothing else to talk about anyway. So tell them about Jesus. Show them the love that was found within you. See, I've, you know how many times I've been sitting with people who are struggling with drugs, and they'll say things to me like, we just don't understand what I'm going through, and it's like, yeah, I do kick rocks, right? Like you, you, you don't know who you're talking to. I absolutely know what you're going through. What I mean by that is sometimes my testimony draws me to being kind with people, but sometimes my testimony draws me to being heavy with people. What I'm saying is like God guides us. God is guiding you to the sphere that you're in. That job that you have no idea why you're still working there, probably the quickest way to get out of that in a godly manner is to look around and figure out why you're there. God will let me move on. Once that person's saved, they're going to find Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Because I can't tell you how often that would happen to me. I wanted to work in the church so bad through my 10 years of Christianity. I wanted so badly to be a pastor. And then once I got it, it was like, I'm tired, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? But like, it's wonderful and it's beautiful and I and this is the happiest I've ever been and the most content I've ever been working, something just focusing on Jesus as a career. But you know what I do kind of miss? I miss working with people who have nothing but disdain for Jesus and feeling a burden on my heart that screams and causes me to pray, that causes me to preach, that causes me to get uncomfortable, to go to God and be like, I just, I want them to know you. Give me the words. Help me figure out the situation. Let me be a shoulder. I miss that burden. And it's just so funny how it works out. I mean, he's not here, but I love Isaac, our sound guy. Usually. Shout out for Kevin for the sound guy today. But he Isaac's only here because Jesse worked with him and evangelized to him. I love my boy Aaron over there, but he's here because he was working at Jimmy John's and asked me questions, really uncomfortable questions. So, you're a Christian. What do you think about homosexuality? And somehow my answer got him to church, even though I was like, it's a sin, dog. Like, we had a long talk about it. But I missed those burdens. But those are beautiful things from God because when we realize how saved we are, we look around and realize I've got nothing else in me but to give this same salvation to everyone else in my path. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, I thank you that though we were far away as a church, you found us. I thank you that you called us together and collectively you called this love that we have for one another to bring change to this world. God, I thank you for the individuals in this room who you've sent to jobs. And I pray you begin to soften the hearts of coworkers to hear the gospel. And I pray that you would strengthen and give courage to the men and women of God in this room to speak your truth in love, to be led and guided by you, to have a true burden to see your kingdom spread, God, the kingdom that you've made us a part of. As we continue to add pieces to this puzzle, to build this grand picture that you are building, God. God, I pray we'd be encouraged and raptured in your love and excited for the opportunities that you've given us. God, I pray that we would look again at the job that we're tired of working at. We'd look again and see the purpose. I pray we'd look again at the family that we're wrestling with and we'd look again and see purpose, God. we'd look again at our neighbors, especially the ones that annoy us, keep us up at night with their music. We would see purpose, God. Why did you call me to this neighborhood? Why did you call me to these neighbors? God, I pray that we would have an exuberant understanding and recognition of purpose, God. That there are no accidents with you. So everywhere that you called us, you have called your gospel. And in Jesus Christ, I say, amen.